We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, also by Twisted Tea. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, I'm joined by Chris Lee of Southeastern 14, also VandySports.com. We'll talk some SEC football as uh, the season is just two weeks away for Chris. Vanderbilt is just one week away. The Commodores play host to Hawaii next Saturday. We'll uh, also play Lane Kiffin's Tuesday press conference. Uh, Kiffin met with us in the media earlier in the day as Ole Miss continues to prepare for its September 2nd opener against Mercer in Oxford. But first, let me tell you about Comer and Southern. They've got different names, but they offer the same people, the same great products, the same great services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. A great place to stop on your way in or out of town to fill up your vehicle. Also, you can fill yourself up. Uh, you've got ribs, wet and dry, make the perfect uh, way to spend one of your last summer weekends as we get closer and closer to the fall and the football season. It's perfect for the football season as well if you're planning ahead. Also, great snacks, beer selection, uh, frozen drinks, and more at the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you have in mind. He'll give you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. Uh, 662-257-1900. Chris Lee, other guests, join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics and physical therapy. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com. 
or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 to 4 p.m. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea. It packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. As I said earlier in the day on Thursday, Lane Kiffin spoke to the media following Ole Miss's practice. Here is uh, that press conference, about 10 minutes or so, with the uh, Ole Miss head football coach. All right, so um, really kind of the same messaging as far as what's going on out there. I think the guys have had great energy really coming together. Really good culture for so many new guys. Obviously, you need to have culture till adversity hits. But excited um, about where the team's at. Uh, so I think the pieces are coming together on defense and limited explosive plays. Um, sometimes in camp, here's been an issue defensively, and especially last year because of so many new guys coming in. You know, that happens. So I feel like these new players have come in. A lot of them have a lot of experience. And so that's a big factor in helping that. So um, I feel really good about competition at a number of spots. Offensive line, some more running back competition now. And um, tight ends, very deep. And receivers. So it's been really good all around. Coach, we're two weeks into fall camp at this point. What's kind of the evaluation of the quarterback room right now, and how close do you feel you are to naming a starter? Yeah, I think those guys are doing really good. Um, I think that Coach Weiss has spent a ton of time with them. With so many new guys, I mean, really the whole room new for the most part, scholarship-wise. But Jackson, who's only going on his second year here, so they've done a really good job, and lots on that position here to function and I think they're all doing really good so I know that's pretty general but um, maybe the younger guys have really grasped on to learning the system and doing doing a good job and the two older guys have continued to improve Spencer's healthy now which was not the case all of spring so he's done some really good things especially in some live some scrimmage type situations Lane, we were talking to Jim Griffin on Monday, and he was talking about the challenge of you know trying to learn the playbook and adjust you know this close to the season and all that. He talked about being part of a slower pro-style offense at Oregon State and all that. You being an offensive mind, trying to go from that type of offense to what's being run here, how big of a challenge is that? Well, I think we're really familiar with that. I think Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, they do a great job, and they kind of run a lot of what we used to run years ago offensively. So. Um, watching Jam on film, 
very familiar with what they do. So um, I think this is easier. I mean, people that have followed the evolution of why I've changed, um, you know, is because it's easier on players to learn fast. And so we've shown that with a lot of guys coming here. Um, there's Malik Heath, you know, guys coming here really late and start even. So GM's uh, done a great job, and I think <clears throat> that transition period, which would have been longer, had we been longer terminology, more pro style, um, has shortened up now. I haven't really asked you much about uh, Garrison. Obviously, came in between Egg Bowl, Texas Bowl, quick kind of dived in. But how have you seen him kind of get comfortable with his room from spring and now halfway kind of through camp? <clears throat> John is a really great offensive line coach in person and spends a ton of time with them. I've had him before. I've known him for years. My brother actually worked with him a long time ago at Nebraska. Um, I had him at FAU for a year before we lost him there. Um, so. And I've tried multiple times to get him here and wasn't able to. So excited about uh, how much guys have improved up there. And I think you'll see some different names um, you know, playing on Saturdays, too, as a result of that. You, you talked about player culture, and I'm talking a lot today about the mental health certification. And how do you feel that that translates to the culture of the team right now? I think players know we're aware of it more and open doors and you know the fact well if the coaches did this you know now that it's a lot easier to talk about when issues come up so um, I think that's part of improvement of our culture too um, you know with guys coming in and knowing that that's how we do it here and maybe different from where they were at before um, you don't have to just go shut up and play football so I think that's been really good how do you feel that that will translate into their performance on the field? I don't know. Um, that wasn't the goal. Um, you know, so I, I don't know that that necessarily does. Um, this is much more about helping them in life. Lane, um, obviously we've talked about quarterbacks a lot, but in general on both sides of the ball, how close, I guess, at this point in camp do you feel like you, you are to knowing what your best 11 is? Sounds weird for me to say, I don't know, because I'm supposed to be the one who knows. I don't know. Um, you know, it's challenging, because both guys do a lot of really good things. Both guys have played a lot. Um, I mean, let's go back to SC at the end. So this is Jackson's moving on third year of starting some games. Spencer's probably started as many as anybody in the country. So <clears throat> um, it's challenging, but it's an awesome obstacle to have, you know, to have to have that battle like that and and also, you know, to have multiple guys instead of one guy. So I think it makes them better and it makes our team better. Mention the depth of the tight end room, just kind of your assessment of Hudson Wolf and how he's done from the injury he's been coming back from. Yeah, I think JDB's really restructured this room really well. This has been an issue since we've been here. When we got here, to you guys have seen where we played a game without one last year, and um, to now have you know, quality competition really deep, you know, four or five guys in there that you know are doing things. Um, so it's been really good, really refreshing, and um, you know that's our goal. You know, if you want a good team, you got to break it down smaller and say, okay. 
know, you got to really improve each position group. And so if our whole team had improved in the last few years, like our tight end group, we'd, we'd be a really special personnel team. Um, so that, that's our goal. And making those changes in key spots, like tight end, like quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you've you know, you've harped on offense, you've harped on defense, but just looking at just special teams just across the board uh, with the job that Jake Schooner ever has done and all that, just your evaluation of just that unit as a whole. Yeah, Jake's come in and um, has done a really good job with the guys, and um, we do so much drill work, you know, um, until we get really late towards the game that it's hard to see it all come together and um, from that standpoint, but... <clears throat> I'm excited about it and excited about our kicking game, competition at kicker, and, and our return game. You talked, I think, I think the last time we talked to you about kind of switching things up as far as practice goes, but where we are right now with, you know, this week winding down and then next week and then game week with Mercer and all that, just how, is that schedule going to kind of change at all? Or where do you all, when are you all going to start watching film or and all that? And where does that, where does that process of game week kind of drift into that? Yeah, we've done a lot of that in the off season as always, um, but we do next week start to get the players more into in season practice and game prep mode. Kind of back on the tight ends real quick. I saw today uh, Trigg and, and Heath were wearing different numbers. Is that permanent or is that uh, some kind of scout team preparation for Mercer? Yeah, we just continue to look at different things, and um, so I don't really. Once you get to game week, how many quarterbacks can you rep where you feel like you're getting them ready? And then along those lines, I'm the obvious question, which is how many experienced quarterbacks can you keep happy when they're not playing? Um, I want to answer the last part. One, if everyone's playing, the, other aren't, the others aren't happy. So that's pretty much the nature with players in general, but especially that position. So, But, <clears throat> you know, we don't – do things a certain way just because they've been done before. You heard that a million times here. So, you know, obviously the old book is to get to one, and if you have two, you play two and figure it out. And but you got to rep three. You know, um, we'll be open to anything and just figure it out as we go. You brought up jam uh, earlier. Um, did did that spot feel like a need that you needed to address, or is this more of a luxury? No, I think oh, I think of both really. Um, you got what is a really talented player that has played in you know, some big games and done a good job, and that was not a very deep position number-wise. All right, guys, thanks. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life, but when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling a therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. I've used therapy as a way to handle stress, clear negative thoughts, mentally relax a little. For me, it was a life changer. It can be for you as well. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient. It's accessible. It's affordable. It's entirely online. You can get matched with a the therapist after filling out a brief survey. You can switch therapists anytime you would like. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com 
slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash MPW. Now here's Chris Lee of MandySports.com, Southeastern14.com. Talk some SEC football as we get closer to the start of the season. Chris Lee of Southeastern14.com, also VandySports.com, kind enough to join us here on Hand Raise, guys. Uh, Chris, your season getting a lot a week full week closer than than ours is covering uh, covering Ole Miss. The uh, the doors a week zero game against Vanderbilt, and obviously the the story is sort of twofold. One, it's another year with Clark Lee and what he's building, but the big story is the stadium. I mean, you see the pictures, and it's like, man, are they going to be able to play in that thing? I mean, you know. It, it, obviously, the two end zones are torn out, and it's going to look good when it's all done, but it's not going to be done for another year. What's what's this season going to look like? Yeah, as of this year, the capacity there is going to be 28,500 fans, which has spawned a lot of jokes for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and it, it looks a little bit like a war zone right now, but what's going up in what has traditionally been that open end zone is what they have advertised as the world's largest NCA practice facility for men's and women's basketball. There's going to be some football stuff in there. There'll be some premium seating options attached to that building. It'll close off that end zone. It's going to block the view uh, that the folks at the Marriott must be loving having right now because there's literally nothing obstructing those rooms right behind the hotel to the field. So uh, they might raise a little re- extra revenue at the Marriott for the next year uh, during football season because of that. But, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty crummy right now. But I think when they're done, um, I think it's going to be a pretty nice building. Again, that end zone will be done next year, 2025 season. The the building uh, that will be in what was the formerly closed end zone will be there. Uh, they're doing all kinds of stuff behind that. They're closing off that road. Uh, Jess Neely Drive behind there. It, it's a it's a fascinating time. Uh, it's not much to look at right now, but it's I'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to be when it's done. You know, I, I, you and I were talking about this. I've been in Nashville a lot this summer, um, a ton actually. Probably I've probably spent fifteen days in Nashville this summer, which for me is a lot anywhere. That is such a vibrant city. Um, I mean, it it yeah. it it's. Um, I, I realize Vanderbilt's just one of several schools there and on all of that stuff, but. And I, I know there's major fan bases of Tennessee and Alabama and Auburn and Ole Miss and probably Arkansas and other schools that are that are there. But Vanderbilt having like a presence in the league would be really cool. Yeah, it would. I, I think that here's the thing that most people don't know, and they're they're the butt of a lot of jokes for for a lot of reasons and they're well earned and you know i've been on your show i don't know how many times over the years and i think people who've heard me know i'll I'll call it like it is uh and i've been as critical of them as as anybody but it's kind of been neat to see them finally get their act together and and give their coaches a fighting chance um i think they're going to end up spending probably 700 who knows 800 million dollars on everything over there there's going to be some baseball stuff the basketball gym's going to be redone in some ways the, the scoreboard's down inside right now they just put that up 10 years ago they're putting in a new one in the basketball arena and and it's about time right i mean it's looked the same as it looked when you and i were in college for the most part which is awful but they have a chancellor who means business and he takes sports seriously and he thinks that sports are just as big a part of that campus is everything else, and, and they deserve a place at the table. Look, Neil, they, they have done so much to wreck their athletic programs, and you've seen the, the damage. You saw the 
the record losing streak in, in SEC basketball a couple years back that got snapped uh, by one of Jerry Stackhouse's first teams. You, you saw the the 26 game losing streak in football in the SEC. They got snapped with back to back wins last year. Look they, again, they they have earned every bit of the criticism, but they just their coaches have not had a fair shake in much of anything for the most part. Um, and even Tim Corbin's up against a lot over there. But I think it's going to be neat to see what's it going to look like when they don't have two hands tied behind their back all the time. No, look, it's still going to be difficult. Um, I had somebody tell me, for example, like even in baseball where they've earned a lot of concessions, someone told me like if you take the top 25 transfers on the market, they can only get about probably five of them in school. Uh, so you know, there's there's part of that that's never going to change. But like I'm, I'm seeing out at, at practice in football, they've got competent walk-ons, which they've almost never had. And it's because somebody on the staff told me admissions has been a lot more lenient with us and the guys we want to get in than it used to be. Uh, it really is, you know, it's still going to be the hardest place to win. But a lot of the things that have held Vanderbilt back over the years are, are getting rolled back. And I think you're going to see them have a little more more success in the near future because of that. I was telling you a couple weeks ago, I was really paying attention to some of the video previews that you did with Southeastern 14. Um, Y'all have done a really good job of, of building up that site. So I'll start with this because it's mostly an Ole Miss audience on the show. You guys, correct me if I'm wrong, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, Y'all are pretty high on the Rebels going into this season. I mean, you, you, you're expecting big things. I guess tell me what those expectations are and, and tell me why. Well, look, Lane Kiffin's had a pretty good history of, of offensive football at Ole Miss and outside of Ole Miss. They've got maybe the best running back in the country. They've got a very deep quarterback room with the guy that's been a starter a couple of years. I think they return most of their offensive line, if not all their offensive line. They – they restocked with a lot of transfers on the on the other side of the ball. And, um, you know, look, they just need to be competent there to, to win some games. I, I just like what they've done. Um, I, I think they got off track at the end of last year with the Auburn distraction. And, you know, you, you probably go back and, and do that over again if you're Lane Kiffin. Maybe it looks different. But I just think that they've got an identity. They've recruited to it. And he's got a lot of pieces in place to, to make stuff happen this year. Now, look, it's going to be a it's going to be a very, very competitive SEC and SEC West. I think this, Neil, you tell me if I'm wrong, I think this year the SEC becomes a lot more like the NFL, that you just take two teams out of a hat and match them up from week to week. And, you know, you see a lot of these spreads that, you know, sometimes 21 points over another team. And you're going to see some of that with Alabama and Georgia and maybe Tennessee and some of the bottom end teams. But it feels like it's a lot more week to week anything can happen. And, and that part's pretty exciting. Yeah, so – on Wednesday, we were looking at Bill Conno- Bill Connolly's SP Plus stuff, and he ranks all the teams. It's his computer. It's not him. And he had Arkansas as the last team in the SEC West at number 30 nationally. Ooh. That tells you something. I mean, it was, it was like, um, you know, Alabama, LSU were both top five. Um Ole Miss, I think, was 17-ish, somewhere in there, maybe a little higher than that, 16, 17, 18. Um, Texas A&M was right there, pretty high. And then um, Auburn, Mississippi State, and Arkansas, if if I'm remembering correctly, and if I'm not remembering exactly correctly, I'm close. Uh, They were all in that 25 to 30 range, just bunched together. So to your point, and I've been saying this for a while, the problem you're going to have if you're – 
one of those top four teams in the West, and I, I agree with you. I think that there's clearly four teams at the top of the West, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M in some order. If you're one of those teams, the problem you've got is that there are no guarantee Ws. When you play Auburn, when you play uh, Mississippi State, when you play Arkansas, all of those teams, and Bill Connolly's computer sort of agrees with this, those teams are capable of beating you You know, on, on a day. It's yeah. not like there's just not any walks in the park. And so if you make that cumulative over the course of a season, I think it makes you more, um, I guess, ripe for to, to be upset in one of those games you have a, a, a game where you're a little flat or you're a little beat up or you're not quite there and another team they answer the bell that day and and even though you're the better team you you lose the game i think that, that's the the wide difference between the west and the east this year in the east you've got some teams at the bottom that for them to beat you they have to play out of their minds and you have to be you have to give them a game i don't think it's like that in the west I see it this way, and I don't think there's much difference between these tiers. I see you got a tier one in the West. You've got LSU and Alabama, in my mind, probably in that order, but you could argue the other way. I think you've got a a, a tier two that's probably A&M. They've got so much talent on defense. I think the addition of Petrino is, is going to, if, if Jimbo Fisher doesn't screw it up, make them pretty tough just based on the talent and all those kids coming back. I think you've got – Ole Miss and Arkansas probably in that order at, at the next tier. But, again, difference between them and A&M or, or maybe even them and LSU and Alabama on a, on a given day. Not not much. And then I think you've got Auburn and Mississippi State at, at six and seven in, in some order. And, Neil, I, I just kind of – look, you, you listen to these training camp reports and, and everybody's bigger, faster, better, stronger, all those things. And it's kind of funny. Yeah, and you, you you come away thinking, well, listen, they're all going to win their division, and that that can't happen. The, the the amount of wins and losses is still the same as it used to be. I almost look for reasons not to pick teams at this point, and I think the difference is so close. And and I think probably the reason I've got Auburn and State at the bottom, you know, for Auburn, it's it's a new scheme under Hugh Freeze. Um, I don't think they were nearly as good as they've been talent-wise. I think that was probably pretty obvious. And I think for State, you know, the separator to me is they got a new head coach. Yeah. I'm not saying Zach Arnett's bad, but in a league where these guys have coached a long time and when you're replacing, you know, I guess kind of a legend in Mike Leach, um, you look for maybe little differences to, to find reasons to separate. I, I don't know that I'm right in that. I may be totally wrong. Um, maybe we'll look up the end of the year and, and Auburn and State are, are three and four in some order. And, you know, but we sit here in preseason and we just call it like we see it. I see it as pretty close. And I think you've got to find reasons to separate. Otherwise, it's very hard to tell these teams apart some days. What do you make of Nick Saban seeming so happy? This month is this just Nick Saban getting older, kind of getting closer to the end of, of his coaching career, or is this Nick Saban going? Everybody's picking Georgia, nobody's picking us. I like it. I know my team. We're about to go take names. Look, if you're, you're just playing the odds based on history, <laughs> I suspect you and I would have the same answer to that. Uh, look, it, it's not like the talent there has just dropped off the map. Now, I have the same question you and everybody else has, and it's quarterback, and that's the reason I've liked LSU better than Alabama is because I feel much better about their position at quarterback going in with Jaden Daniels. But let's let's face it, Alabama's recruiting 
four and five star guys. No, their quarterback roster may not be as loaded with it, but Tyler Simpson was a what a top thirty recruit, top forty recruit nationally a couple of years ago. Everybody won. Um, yeah, yeah, right. That you know, look, there's been plenty of guys like that that bombed. I think the thing that makes everybody go, "Hey, wait a minute," uh, is adding Tyler Buckner late after spring practice. Um, I think that there was all for a loop because it, it sends the message that maybe they're not very confident. But, uh, look, if, if if you're betting on the side of history, we're probably stupid for picking Alabama behind LSU. At least I am. I don't I don't know what your pick is there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got the same thing, too, just based on what Nixon's done. It's been an unbelievable run like we've never seen in the history of college football. Uh, and, and the guy's got a history of figuring stuff out. Yeah, it's funny you say that because – yeah, I picked LSU just because of Mason Smith and 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 Perkins on, on that defense. It's a loaded defense. They're so athletic. Uh, everything I hear about Jaden Daniels coming out of LSU's camp is like raving about him. But to your point, you very rarely hear a lot of negatives out of camps. And so you have to be kind of careful with what you hear. I'm always listening for some specifics about camp. Like um, – A&M's a good example where everything I hear about their camp is that Jimbo's letting Petrino run the offense and that the offense looks explosive. Now, it's one thing to do that in the middle of August when there's no media there, there are no cameras, there are no fans in the stands, and the team that you're playing is the Texas A&M scout team defense. That's different than when you line up and I don't know, you're in Arlington in, in mid to late September and, and there's there's Arkansas over there and it's it's 180,000 people or whatever and the game's on CBS and you know what I mean? I mean, it's a totally different deal. Are you going, and, and they have a three and out and Arkansas scores and then do you do you answer? Do you, do you go, hey, listen, Bobby, I, I'm running this one and then it goes off the rails or do you say, okay, this is what I hired you for. Uh, and, and who knows how that's going to work. I think Jimbo's going to leave Petrino alone and let him run the offense. That's what I think. And that's why I think, I think A&M's going to be good. You know, we all thought when Ole Miss brought in Spencer Sanders that it meant, oh, they don't believe in Jackson Dart. And now I'm starting to think they brought him in because they just wanted to motivate Jackson Dart. They just wanted to push Jackson Dart. And, and Jackson, from all accounts, including what my eyes have seen, has had a great camp. Um, you, you know, you talk about Arkansas, and I've got Arkansas fifth too, but everything I hear about them is that they're – much more athletic. They did a really good job in the portal with their defense, with their defensive linemen. They're more athletic at linebacker, that they're going to be better on that side, that they're going to be a little bit more aggressive. They're going to, you know, not do as much of the three man front and all of that stuff that, that, that Barry Odom did. So I don't know. Uh, but all of, like, to your point, all of those teams can't be o- overachieving because at some point they all beat each other yeah. up. Well, and I think the other thing that I look for as a differentiator is, is who's most likely to beat themselves. And, like, you see that, you know, sometimes you're not just playing Alabama and LSU. You're, you're playing against yourself. I, I think certainly that had something to do with what happened at A&M last year. Certainly the distraction that Lane Kiffin created with the Auburn pursuit had to work against Ole Miss a year ago. I mean, I, I don't think they suddenly just got that much worse. I think distracted and divided teams um, – you know, that, that that's when things start to crumble. We see that over and over. And, you know, it's funny. I, I say, again, I, I look for separators and reasons why not. Neil, you were in the room when I was there in Nashville. The, the minute that Jimbo Fisher gave that wonky answer about who's running your offense, I, I was thinking, you know, 
these teams are so close. That that's about enough for me to drop A and M from from three to to five. Yeah, just on that alone, because you're you're already sowing potentially the seeds for collapse. Maybe that is us overdoing it. I, I don't know. We won't know till three months from now, probably. But th- those are the kinds of the things I look for. And when the league is as tight as it is. Uh, you know, it's it's going to happen somewhere to somebody, right? I don't think we're going to go through the season. When's the last time that every single team returned the same coach? Has that happened in our lifetime in this league? Uh, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trying to think, I'm sure at least in the 12 plus team era, but I can't think of it. I mean, what sort of leads to my next question, which is like the couple of the schools that you're watching this year are, you know, Florida, they were so bad a year ago, and everything rationally says, Hey, give Billy Napier time, he's recruiting gangbusters. People aren't rational during the season, they're rational in the offseason, rational in the preseason, they're not rational during the season, they make knee jerk reactions in the season. They make emotional decisions. Boosters suddenly call a president, uh, AD, and go, here's the money. Do it. You know, I mean, you're watching Jimbo. I, mean, I know the, the the buyout is exorbitant. But if they go, if you told me that they go six and six or seven and five, no part of me even thinks for yeah. a second that, you know what, they might give Jimbo another year. No, they're going to fire him. They're going to they're gonna pay him his $60 million or whatever and draw criticism for it and go look for the next guy. That's just what they'll do. And and so, yeah, it's once the season rolls around and the emotion of losses kicks in and the emotion of wins kick in and the egos kick in and stuff, people do stupid stuff. It's one of the reasons that, frankly, people love the sport is because it's, it is a lot more irrational than its professional counterpart. Yeah, and Florida's one that I'm watching too because we, we've seen them – we saw them melt down Jim McElwain after what they'd won the the, the East back to back years. And I know it's it's nowhere near the same when he wanted it is now because Georgia's emerged as the premier behemoth in college football. Tennessee's gotten back to more of, of the level historically it's been at. But that that's one you just look at Florida's schedule, Neil. I mean that they, they open with Florida State or close with Florida State and open at Utah, and then you got the SEC in between. I, I like him a lot. I think he is running that program the right way. He's recruiting at a high level. But I, I look through the roster, man. It's not vintage Florida that we grew up with. I mean, we everybody knows Florida for offense, but I think Lawson, look at how many dudes they put in the NFL at linebacker. You know, they're, they're, I, But I look, 
you know, I don't see a Javon Curse on their defensive line or an Alex Brown. You know, they put a gazillion defensive backs in the league. I think they're okay there, but I just don't see the talent that Florida's had. I think it's going to take them a couple years to get back to that. But do, do they have the appetite, uh, you know, to, to wait it out if, if they go 4-8 and or something like that, which I think they could be decent and be a four or five win team just with that schedule. And it's it's situations like that that I watch just with curiosity to say, does does the whole thing eat itself before it has a chance to to get off the ground? You know, I watch a lot of Big Ten, and there was never a moment when I watched Wisconsin football. And this is nothing against Graham Mertz. I'm sure he's a wonderful kid, and Mr. and Mrs. Mertz are perfectly thrilled with their son. But... I never watched a moment of Wisconsin football and go, man, I'll tell you what, you, you give that guy a few more weapons. I mean, it's, they're off to the races. I, I just thought he was kind of yeah. a pedestrian quarterback. And he's replacing a guy who's going to be a starter in week one of the NFL. I mean, he's nowhere near the athlete Anthony Richardson is. I just, I have, I mean, like Tyler Siski and I do a show, and Tyler's big on Florida, and Tyler knows more football than you and I will ever forget. He's forgotten more football than you and I will ever know, I think is the way you do that thing. But, man, I got to tell you, I, and I've told Tyler this, I think that's his relationship with Billy Napier getting in the way of, of what his eyes actually see because I don't I, I, I don't see Florida winning eight, nine games. If, if you told me they lost seven or eight, I'd totally buy it. Just the schedule's brutal. All right, let me ask you about another Eastern team. Got about another 12, 13 minutes with you. Um, Tennessee was really good last year. And during last year, there were some people around the program who said, hey, we're going to be really good in 2024. Might take a small step back in 2023, but that's when you better get us because we're recruiting at a really high level. We're coming. We're going to be a a, a force by the time the 12-team playoff rolls around. And now I'm not hearing as much of that. I'm hearing, you know what? There might not be much of a fall off, if any, at all for Tennessee going into this season. And all of the polls and everything sort of bears that out as well. Are we sleeping on Tennessee as a contender in the East? Maybe. I mean, I think – I suspect you and I have the same answer. Tell me what Joe Milton they get, and, and I'll know a lot more. Uh, but, I mean, they, they ran the ball. They've got three really good running backs that don't get talked about. They just go plug and play at receiver. You know, they, they just – under two years in Heupel, they just – you know, they found a different Bolitnikoff candidate two years in a row. And the dudes they've got left are kids that have performed at a high level. They they bring back a lot of their offensive line. They brought in a transfer left tackle from Miami. The defense, Neil, um, I don't think their defense was nearly as bad as people perceive because we tend to still look at it through the lens of, of total defense and stuff like that. Well, they ran a gazillion plays a game. So, of course, you're going to give up more yards. And they had big leads. They probably had reserve guys in there at some point. On a, on a per-play basis, when you adjust for sacks, their pass defense was was still probably below average, but it wasn't the just the, the eyesore that everybody treated like. They got nine or ten defensive backs coming back that played a lot a year ago. Um, they, they've got a kid in, in linebacker that might lead the league in tackles. they got Omari Thomas, who's a – potential first-team All-SEC defensive lineman. They, they got a lot of pieces. Ultimately, it's going to depend on offensively. Can can Joe Milton approximate what Hendon Hooker did? Um, and that that's a tough ask. Here's another thing. They turned it over 1.2% of snaps last year. That was the best in the league. That That's kind of 
that's kind of hard to do again. Yeah. Um, just by happy accident, you could turn it over at twice the rate with a tip ball here or there or, you know, the whatever. Turnovers are a little bit random. I, I think that's the one thing, that, or the two things. It's the quarterback and the fact that they turned it over such it's such a small rate a year ago that I don't think that's something that they can duplicate. But, I mean, there's certainly a case that – and look, the, the, everybody's giving the East to Georgia – that game's in Knoxville. How'd that go for Alabama a year ago? Yeah, and can you imagine? That's late November. I mean, if that game is for the East, that place will be – it'll make the Ole Miss atmosphere a couple of years ago and the Alabama atmosphere last year look like peanuts. It'll, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be bonkers. And, you know, you, you talked about Ole Miss and Texas A&M and to a lesser degree Arkansas in the West. That's kind of how I see the East with the other teams. Like, there's a part of me that thinks – Man, we might be sleeping a little bit on South Carolina. We might be sleeping a little bit on Kentucky. And and the team that I think we might be really sleeping on is Missouri. Yeah. I was on Michael Bratton's show. He said, who who is the team? I don't know if he asked the sleeper team or the team that people were, you know, should be higher on. My answer immediately was Missouri. Because they bring back a lot of dudes on defense under Blake Baker that got a lot better. Their whole secondary's back. Those guys are all good. Tyron Hopper, their linebacker, is one of the better playmakers in the league. They lost a little bit off their front, but I think they – I believe they brought in a couple of transfers there. I mean, Carolina and Kentucky are two teams that are intriguing because South Carolina has been really good at the end of the year, Neil, but they've not been much till November. Yeah. Um. They, they, I mean, I saw them in Nashville playing Vandy a year ago, and we were all looking at each other, me and the Carolina beat riders, we're going, we're watching two bad teams. Um. And within two weeks, those guys were blowing Tennessee out of the arena and and beating Clemson on the road. It, it you know where Clemson had lost a home game in what forty something games. I mean, I, I think people discount that a little bit. It seems to take Beamer's teams a little bit of time to gel. Everybody's kind of nor did Spencer yeah. sort of figure it out. I mean, that's that's the question: is can they carry that momentum into the beginning of a season? Yeah, I mean, if you ask everybody up there, it's when they simplified the playbook and stuff started working out. And 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 look, maybe, Neil, maybe that's the answer. Um, you know, they they don't have much in the way of a running game. You know, I, I don't know how much we, we can debate how much a running game has worked these days. You're you're certainly sitting on covering the other side of the coin there. I, I think we've 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 said it's overrated to the point that I wonder if it's underrated. Uh, you know, they're they're not. They, they lost a couple NFL corners. Um, I don't know. In Kentucky's one where they brought in a lot of transfers. Um, the, the offensive line wasn't very good a year ago. I know Liam Cohen's really good. Um, he'll make them better. They, they've got a lot of talent at receiver and at quarterback. But you know, sometimes those rooms with a lot of transfers, you'll have some chemistry issues. And they got they got some guys that are used to being the, the guy. How, how does that work out? I'm not saying it's not, but. Um, I have. You know, I watched it. I have a lot less clarity year. there. Yeah, I watched it at Ole yeah. Miss last year. I mean, I I think you can. And I asked Lane Kiffin about it. I, I said, in an ideal world, do you build more with high schoolers than you do with the portal? And he looked at me and yeah. gave me a great answer. He said, ideally, ideal world, yeah, I, absolutely. It's it's the better way to do it. Um, you can build program chemistry. It's not just team chemistry. It's I had a question in my mailbag at rebelgrove.com this week, and it was about, hey, you know, I'd get it if it were a bunch of females, basically, is what he said. He goes, but this is guys, yeah. and guys sort of, 
bond quickly. Like, yeah, you know, when you were a kid, you know, oh, you like baseball? I like baseball. You like the Braves? I like the Braves. We're best friends. We don't ever have to talk about this ever again. We're just understood. And that maybe with maybe we're overplaying this. And then you're a pro sports guy. I'm a pro sports guy. I listen to interviews of players in professional sports, and they talk about the importance of continuity in the locker room. Yeah. They talk about the importance of guys having been in the building for periods of years, for establishing a culture that when new people come in, they show them, hey, this is the way we do things here. This is how this is how Monday is. This is how Tuesday is. This is how pregame is. This is what we do. And when you have just massive roster turnover at places like like Ole Miss and well, hell, half the league, you just sort of watch it. You just watch it. You know, I, yeah. I don't I don't I think sometimes people think when you say, Hey, that's a something I'm really watching doesn't mean that it'll go terribly. It just means that that's something to keep an eye on. At the end of the day, the story might be for a team like Ole Miss or whoever that, hey, you know, they did a yeoman's job of bringing in 40 new people and getting them to buy in, and they had this culture that they created that built over the course of a season. By the end, there was this super tight team. Or you have some early adversity and guys go, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm going to go back to taking care of myself. I don't really care about this place. I've only been here for six months. I'm leaving in December. And then you have fallout and and you end up losing some of the games that we just got through talking about because the the teams that you play might be inferior to you, but they're so slightly inferior that your culture issues bring you down and they end up beating you anyway. Well, look, the, the narrative in every training camp, to circle back to where we started, you know, you, you like I'll write these practice and I'll tell people like, look, th- this is just what I saw today. It's not it's not a prediction. It's just, you want to know what happened. Here's, here's what happened. And I'll fill in the blanks where I have questions. People don't hear that. <laughs> they, yeah. they hear we're going to win eight games this year at Vanderbilt or whatever. And and that, look, I'm not making fun of, of Vanderbilt's fan base. That happens everywhere. You got 14 teams out there, but at the end of the year, you know, there's going to be disappointment somewhere. It happens every year. And the, the storylines that you hear told backwards are nothing like the storylines that you hear. Like nobody, <laughs> Show me, show me one report out of anywhere where anybody says our, our chemistry is awful. Um, you won't hear that anywhere. But after the season, when the win loss record doesn't add up, you're going to hear that a couple of places. I don't, I don't know where they are. But look, to, to give an example, you went to baseball a minute ago. Um, you know, for people listening, uh, for people watching, Sam wearing a Braves hat. That's my team. The Braves are really freaking good, but I think they've also got the leadership thing down in their locker room for a couple of years where a lot of things kind of take care of themselves. You got what the three highest payroll teams in baseball right now wouldn't make the playoffs if, if things started day. I, I think that's right. Um, stuff happens. It's not always about talent. It's about that other stuff sometimes. And, and that's where I have questions. I, I don't know where it's going to happen, but it's going to happen somewhere. Uh, and, and those are those are the things that make the season interesting. Yeah, computers have a hard time with intangibles. Computers yeah. are great with numbers. I mean, they can take all the numbers and put them in, and here's a formula, and here's what you should expect. But it's hard to it's hard to calculate what happens to a team um, when they lose their first game. Yeah, and you know, or they lose their second game, and all of a sudden, all of the preseason bluster about hey, we're here to win a championship. All right, well, that's out. You're not winning a championship. 
And in this this year, the one last year of the fourteen playoff, you lose that second game, you're probably not making the playoff either. Now what? Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it, it's it's funny we 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 don't do a very good job of telling those stories because those are hard questions to ask. Like you know if if in a world where Ole Miss ends up being a really good team, but they lose to Alabama and LSU, for example, which is conceivable, two teams that Bill Connolly has ahead of Ole Miss. Um, well, suddenly you're three and two, and you're getting ready for Arkansas, and you're not winning the West. Uh, you're you're not going to the SEC championship game. You're not playing for the national championship. Well, you you're a prick as a reporter if you go, hey, is it going to be hard to yeah. kind of get excited anymore because you guys aren't winning championships? I mean, that ain't happening. So you don't ask those questions, and and frankly, those would be the best stories to write. Maybe that's the lesson I'm telling myself is that you should ask that question, but. Fans would hear you say that question on video, and they'd say, "What a jerk he is!" And the people inside the program would say, "What? What? What, are you, what is your deal?" But it's the truth. Yeah, that's yeah. the story, right? And and there's by the end of September, first of October, there are going to be some teams in this league that their dreams have been dashed. And now what? And that's where the chemistry thing kicks in. Well, let me give you an example here, and this is this is kind of a difference between being a fan and being the media. Um, 25 years ago, I was just some dude out there. I wasn't in this at all, and I was. I've always been a, a baseball first guy. My my favorite sport is is Major League Baseball, and I, I read Bill James's stuff religiously. I mean, and Bill James was phenomenally knowledgeable changed the way a lot of people view baseball, brought in the whole analytics thing and, and, and yep. should be in the Hall of Fame one day. Sure. But you know what? One thing Bill James used to be insistent on was that chemistry was overrated or invented or didn't matter. And his narrative was always, uh, that's that's something that people use to explain things that they can't explain. Or to, you know, if I want to say, you know, I'm a better player than Neil. You know, even if your stats are better, I can say, well, Neil was a, a clubhouse cancer or whatever, and we've made Chris the better player. And I, I believed that for a long time. And then you cover a team, and you talk to the coach, and you find out stuff off record. Like, this is what really went on, mm-hmm. or this is what happened in the locker room last night or whatever. And then you see things spiral down or spiral up or whatever. And, and it's look, the, the games are not played by robots. And you see it happen at the professional level, right? With guys who are getting paid tens of millions of dollars, it's certainly going to happen at the college level where it you've got kids that have to deal with class, yeah. girlfriends. I mean, it, 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 I think that's the biggest thing. NIL jobs. Um, yes. I mean, it, name, name things you can't even think about. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an example one year. I was, I was talking to a, a Vanderbilt assistant, and, and some kid – it had gone home over break and his his mom was into drugs and not around and and like he came back over break and he was a lineman he lost 30 pounds because he didn't have anything to eat um there's stuff like that that happens all the time that you don't even think about uh, and i think that the point i was making there's things that you can look at it from the outside but when you've been in our shoes and covered a team and, and talked to people that told you behind the scenes this is really what's going on those are the things that I'm always kind of looking for to see where are the cracks and, and you know, how because that's how narratives that we're not talking about now happen between now and, and December. Yeah, your Braves won a World Series two years ago. They were not the best team in baseball for much of that season. No. Frankly, almost all of that season. And then they got they got hot, and you'll, they'll tell you the, the stories about how they 
went out and made those acquisitions at the at the uh, at the trade deadline, even though Ronald Acuna was out for the season with the ACL injury, and that they brought in some guys that were kind of popular in the clubhouse, and they got hot, and stuff happened, and you know you look up and you're like, well, were the Braves at ever at any point in the regular season? Did anybody really look at the Braves and go, that is the best team in baseball? The answer is no. But, you know, they, they there was a camaraderie and a chemistry, and they had the stuff that they did. And you see it in baseball. You see it in basketball. You see it in, you see it in football, too. I mean, there, there are teams that just overachieve because they, they play crazy yeah. and things work out. And, they, they, and they're talented, but it is what makes kind of the – Makes the predicting impossible. I always love the, hey, are you guys going to go down and do the W and L predict every game? And I'm like, in August? I mean, we can. It's easy content. But the truth is, there's no way to possibly do that because you don't know when's the injury bug going to hit this team. Um, What's this momentum going to be like going into this week? Will they have won three in a row and they're on top of the world? Will they have lost two in a row and there's internal conflict? What are the you know what's the weather going to be? It's 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 literally impossible to go back and go. Well, gosh, we screwed that up. Okay, well I didn't know that the starting quarterback was going to go out in week three and, and not yeah until week eight. So that's what makes it fun. But it's almost here. You've got a week zero game and in, in a little over a week. Yeah, and just to finish with the Braves analogy here, um, and, and and under the category things that you could never predict, the Braves had three outfielders to start the year that year three entirely different outfielders between the all-star break and the trading deadline and three entirely new guys that weren't even on the roster i think (laughs) (laughs) that are holding the trophy at the end of the year and i mean you you could have never predicted i I don't know if there's ever been a team in the history major league baseball that's had three entirely different starting outfields over the course of the year but they did and uh, they, they made the best of it, and that's why they've got a ring. Yeah, if I told you in April of 2021, it's going to be Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, and uh, uh, you'd have been like, wait, what? What? You, you, would have just, you would have canceled the package. You wouldn't have watched a game. You would have been like, "That's this is this is a catastrophe if I'd said a coup. Neil, Neil. The, June. And, 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 I, I, one Saturday afternoon in the summer, I'm watching them play in Miami. And Acuna leaps up to get a fly ball, and he comes down, and he's just sitting there. Most of them, oh no! And I'm like, there, there it goes. That's it. Time <laughs> it's, to sell. It's not going to be our year, except that it was. Yeah, people wrote stories. Legitimate journalists that have covered that program, that franchise for a long time, about how hey, this is probably the end for this group. They've got some contract guys coming up. It might be time to sell off, and that's not what happened in large part because you had. Guys in that clubhouse that um, Ozzie Albies and Dansby Swanson and Freddie Freeman and a lot of those guys that are like really good clubhouse guys, really good glue guys yeah. that rallied the troops. And that that so the answer to the chemistry thing is, does it matter? Yes. Can you create it quickly? Yes. I mean, again, Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson didn't go through spring training with the Braves. They they, I mean, they they just showed up in basically early August, mid late July, early August, and just started playing, and it worked. But you have to have – you do have to have a leadership core in yeah. your program if you're in, the, in your football program. I've heard coaches tell me this. You have to have an internal leadership core that is powerful if you're going to bring in tons of new faces from tons of new places where not everybody's going to end up in the role they thought they were going to get 
and when adversity hits. And in this league, the odds are overwhelming it's that quickly. at some point in the year, you're going to get some adversity. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you're Georgia, you won't. That's the only that's about it. Everybody else is gonna everybody else is gonna hit a roadblock and it's how you how you recover from that. And that's impossible to predict. Yeah, and I think if there's one thing our field doesn't spend enough time considering it, it's stuff like that. But it's probably, you know, to be fair, it's probably just it's like you said, it's it's stuff that you can't predict. And so it's hard to talk about things you can't predict. But I, I do think it's those it's those intangible things that, that aren't factors right now that I think are gonna have a, a big effect on on how this all shapes out. Chris, I kept you uh, five minutes too long. I really appreciate your time very much. Enjoy the season. We'll be back in touch with you soon. Yeah, thank you, Neil. That was Chris Lee, VandySports.com, Southeastern14.com. Appreciate his time tonight on the show. A little bit of uh, news here breaking on a Thursday night as you hear this on Friday. Cedric Johnson, the uh, Ole Miss defensive end, will wear the Chucky Mullins jersey this year. He won the Chucky Mullins Award, that announcement coming out this evening. But uh, no surprise there. He's uh, been a huge part of the Ole Miss program for several years, and it's an honor that I'm sure he, uh, he he's very humbled and flattered by. So uh, more on that in the coming days. Still waiting to get our schedule uh, from Ole Miss about practice availability Friday and or Saturday. Don't really know what that might be. There's content at rebelgrove.com. From today, there will be more tomorrow and over the weekend as we get ready and move closer to the start of the season. Be back with another week of podcasts starting on Monday. At MPW Digital, we'll start with the Oxford Exxon podcast on Monday morning. Until then, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us throughout this week. Thanks to uh, everybody for being in our streams and that kind of thing. Please hit the subscribe button, the like button. Uh, tell a friend. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back with you on Monday. Until then, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.